Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. I'm going to preach a different sort of message today. Can you come on a bit of a journey with me today? you got no choice. i got the microphone. <laughs> but I, I want to share with you actually some of the reflections that I've been having across the past couple of months. And I really believe that the Lord has been speaking to us speaking to the leadership about the next leg of the journey for us as Nations Church. And and you have to know that everything I say today, you can take it as being from the heart of both Ken and myself. Pastor's wife has not gone rogue today. (laughs) Glory to God. (laughs) Don't want pastor's wife going rogue, you know. Pastor Ken's over in Scarborough, I'll just preach whatever I want. It's not like that. (laughs) It's not like that today. It's really from our heart. It's not just a me thing. It's an us thing. And everything I share with you today is really a path that we're really deeply committed to walking into our future. So I hope you hear it as such. Most of you would know that we just celebrated 20 years of Nations Church. I know, glory to God, so good, 20 years. And um, I don't know if it's just me, but do you also get very reflective when you hit a milestone? It's, it's a thing, isn't it? Like there's just something about a milestone causes you to perhaps think thoughts or do things that you wouldn't necessarily do on any ordinary day, right? I remember on my 40th birthday, Nearly six years ago, (laughs) on my 40th birthday, I woke up at 5.30am, I went for a 5k run, I watched the sunrise, something that I'd never done before, and I haven't done since. (laughs) It's just something about a milestone, right? Am I right? Am I right? It was a beautiful time, and I haven't repeated it. But anyway, I have run, praise God, just not at 5.30 in the morning. Anyway. I've been doing a lot of that milestone type thinking over the past couple of months. And you've got to know from our heart to yours, there is a burning desire in me and in Ken that we want to lead the church into the future in such a way that pleases the Lord. Top button stuff. <laughs> First and foremost, we want to lead in such a way that pleases the Lord. We feel that that is our primary job. And as we've been contemplating all of these things, on the 30th of December last year, I had a dream. And I, I'm not one to be very quick to say that dream was from God or that dream was prophetic. Some of my dreams make me think about the pizza I had for dinner the night before. You know, it's like they're a bit whack. But this dream hit really different. And it wasn't really a complex dream. It was actually quite simple. And in my dream, I was preparing a message for Vision Sunday. It was my job in the dream to get this message ready. I had to preach for Vision Sunday. And in my dream, a summary statement landed on me, like a summary statement of what my entire message was to be about. And the statement that I got in my dream was this. The league has changed, but the game plan stays the same. The league has changed, but the game plan stays the same. So I've entitled this message today, Different League, Same Game Plan. Different League, Same Game Plan, because that phrase has just sat with me and on me since the night that I dreamt it. And it is fleshed out in us so much and in our spirit so much to the point that right now we are utterly convinced that the Lord is speaking very clearly 
to us as a leadership and as a church about what our approach needs to be as we walk forward into the next decade, two decades. So it's in humility, I do my absolute best to just present this to you. And if this church is home church for you, many of you would call nations your home, then I just ask you to really lean in and to really hear what we believe the Spirit is saying to this church at this hour. Is that okay? Would you join me as I pray? Heavenly Father, we love You. We exist for You. It's all about You. And right now, I just sense Your Spirit's presence just hovering. And we invite You to do so more. Just hover. Holy Spirit, would You just hover? Would You speak to every son? Would You speak to every daughter? In the words that I'm about to preach, Lord, would would You personalise it? Would You just take it into hearts, Lord? We're not after the superficial and the fluffy, Father God. We're asking You to go deep. May we be a people that run deep deep in Your presence, deep in Your Word, deep in Your glory, Lord. So that in this generation, while the baton is in our hands, that we would run and please You, Lord. That we would truly serve You, Lord. That we would cross the line, that we would hand the baton on in such a way that we hear the words, well done, good and faithful. May this be our dream and our desire, our holy pursuit. Father, would you use this time we have together today in your precious name, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Thanks so much, Gabe. There's absolutely no secret, really, that the church of today is operating in a different league to what it was previously. Uh, You know, to use this statement, it's a different league, is almost to state the obvious because the church that we lead right now looks exceptionally different to the one we planted on just about every single parameter in every way, you know, the number of people, the number of locations, the number of services and staff and the global expression, the fact that we've got Nampere and we've got Ireland and all these things, the size and the scale of the operation is really incomparable. And another thing that's really different is society at large. Across 20 years, society has changed quite considerably. There's different values, there's different legalities, there's uh, different attitudes towards Christianity, different attitudes towards the church and all these sorts of things. Everything contributing to this idea that we're really leading a church in today's day and age that is a different league. You follow me so far? And, And you know, all glory to God absolutely all glory to God. The growth trajectory of our church since we started has been steadily trending upward this whole time. And and that is wonderful to us. And we really do praise Him for that. And the strong sense within that is that God is not done yet. There's this sense, and I think you're all saying amen. You, You feel it. You sense it. The Lord is not done. The prophetic declarations that have come this year is like expansion on every side and acceleration. You know, we, we're to wait, but we're to accelerate when the Lord, um, you know, gives the green light and we're seeing it and experiencing it. It's happening on our watch right in real time right now. We're seeing record numbers everywhere. 
Every service is busting out. We've got building challenges because the buildings can't contain all the people. The youth ministry is having record numbers. Belmont youth nearly cracked 100 people on Friday night, just gone. Yes, glory to God. That's real lives, real teenagers, real encounters, real, you know, real families. But something that I always say in life, because I'm prone to saying little sayings, <laughs> is pros and cons with everything. <laughs> Everyone, anyone uh, say pros and cons with everything? That's definitely a me thing. The pros are obvious. As we grow, yeah, thank you, God, more lost found. Thank you, God, more disciples made. Thank you, God, more nations reached and so on and so forth. But the cons, or perhaps the challenges is a better word. They're many and they're varied. So from the perspective of your leaders, every single year we're faced with leading something the size and scope of which we've never led before. Every single year, <laughs> it's bigger. <laughs> and, it's, and every single year, it's something we haven't done this before. It's uncharted territory. It's, it's, it's unprecedented in our world anyway. And we're like, ah, plateau would sort of be nice. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be nice to know what we were doing or feel like we know what we're doing. Honestly, it can be a little daunting sometimes. And even though we feel like we're graced for it, doesn't mean we don't break out in the odd cold sweat. <laughs> it's been real, being real with you. <laughs> and who knows, big church isn't always celebrated. Am I right? There's a significant voice out there even against Big church, you might have heard it, you might have even thought it, doesn't matter. I don't condemn you, I'm not judging you, but you might have had this thought, the church is getting a bit too big for me. We've definitely had people leave the church, the church got too big for me and there's no judgment or condemnation. On the one level, I really understand the sentiment, I know where it's coming from and you've got to understand from your leaders across the years, we have had moments where we oscillated. Moments where perhaps in our immaturity, we were driven a little bit by ego and we wanted the larger church. We wanted the greater image. We wanted the bigger reputation and platform and all these sorts of things. But then we've had other moments where we saw big ministries and ministers fall and we saw the devastation that that caused us and we had a response of fear. Lord, keep us small. <laughs> we want to fly under the radar. Thank you very much. <laughs> Don't put your head up lest it get chopped off, that sort of thing. You know, like, don't, don't let us get too big. We don't want to mess it up, Lord. We don't want to hurt people. Can I say, though, both responses are wrong. Ego was never supposed to be my motivator. Fear was never supposed to be my motivator. The only godly and appropriate motivator is actually obedience obedience, obedience. These days, we have no desire to be the big church or be the small church or be the in-between church. We just want to be the obedient church. Let us be the obedient church. The church needs to be exactly what the Lord is calling it to be. No bigger, no smaller. We need to respond to the leading of the Lord just as big or otherwise as He intends. And maybe there's a word for all of us in that. Maybe we all need to get past our preference for big church or our preference for small church and superimpose on top of that our preference to be the obedient church. 
Lord, we will go where you're asking us to go. We will do what you're calling us to do. We will welcome who you're calling us to welcome, amen? You know, one thing I know for absolute certainty, God's not asking us to close the doors, to lock the doors, put a big sign out the front, sorry, we're full. <laughs> no, more, no more room in the car park. <laughs> Nervous laughter. Some <laughs> My 11 a.m. knows where it's at. <laughs> you know, You know, to kind of say there's no more room here, you need to go find another church is absolutely not the word of the Lord to a lost and dying generation, to a lost and dying world. It is not the word of the Lord. And rather we reflect and we go, he in his wisdom, in the Lord's wisdom has brought us into a different league. Wholeheartedly, I believe that where we are right now, it's the Lord's doing. And my job is not necessarily to like it or not like it. The Lord on high is not asking my opinion. (laughs) You know, he just wants us to follow on with obedient hearts. He wants us to follow his leading in obedience. When you enter into a different league, it is actually true that many things change. I think we can be real about that. If you follow that sporting analogy, a different league actually means different stadiums. It means larger crowds. It means like the stakes are higher. The pressure is more significant. It means more eyes are on you. All these sorts of things. And so it's true that the different league means different things. But we heard this phrase, different league, same game plan. And I believe, Nations Church, there's a wisdom call that comes to us right now, a necessity to divide in this hour what changes and what stays the same. What changes and what stays the same? Doubtless some things change and they're probably obvious. Give me a wave if you remember everyone's name. It's unanimous. <laughs> We're all in the same boat. Give me a wave if you know everyone in this room right now. Hallelujah. Yeah. You know, everyone needs to be so gracious with the bigger crowds and the more people and the fuller car park and those sorts of things, the difficulty remembering names and that sort of thing. But despite the differences, ask ourselves what stays the same? And Ken and I have journeyed with the Lord across these last couple of months. What's the game plan, Lord? Help us to actually articulate the game plan. The thing that has led us here that you actually don't want us to deviate from in the future. And so if it's okay by you for the next 15 minutes or so, that's what I'm going to try and attempt to do, to lay out this game plan that you got to know we're deeply committed to. So the first thing, the first part of the game plan is the mandate and the culture, they stay the same. We are as committed as ever, to the mandate. Lost found, disciples made, nations reached. A summary statement of the Great Commission. It has been, it will continue to be the why behind every what. Everything we do must lead to a fulfillment of the mandate. The mandate is the answer to the question, why do we exist? We exist to see more people come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. We exist You'll note the mandate doesn't say lost, found, crowd, gathered. 
says lost found disciples made. We exist that Christian people, you and me, would follow year on year, follow closer than the year before. Follow Jesus more nearly than the year before. Grow in spiritual maturity more next year than this year. Amen. Disciples made. Disciples made. And nations reach that every uh, nation the Lord brings to us, we would impact. And every nation the Lord sends us to, we would see that impacted also for His glory. These things do not change. Similarly, our eight cultures don't change. We're about faith. Encountering Jesus, wholeness, authenticity, others, serving, reaching those far from God, generations. These eight things do not change. They embody who we continually aspire to be. You understand that? You know, if you're part of Nations Church, but you've never thought deeply about the culture, could I suggest to you that 2024 might be the year to do so? Because we never want these cultures to be just placeholders on our website. Rather, they need to be lived and embodied in every one of our campuses, in every one of our lives. Amen? Amen. If you have to tell someone what your culture is, then it probably isn't really your culture at all. Because a culture shouldn't just be read, it should be experienced. It needs to be lived. We shouldn't have to tell people we are about faith. They should step into the room and feel the faith. They should step into the room and feel expectation, feel our hearts looking to the Lord. Amen. We shouldn't have to tell people we're about authenticity. They should just be swept up in authentic community. Find themselves surrounded by authentic people. Amen. And leadership cannot accomplish this on their own. The front row can't carry the culture on their own. It's an embodiment from all of us. Every single one needs to carry those cultures for, in order for it to be our game plan leading into the future. Amen. The second part of the game plan as we've articulated it is simply this, the virtue of love. Everyone say love. Turn to your neighbour and say love. <laughs> We're going deep today, people. We're going deep. <laughs> you know, what, is, what are my leaders committed to? They're committed to love. Love. It's true that sometimes the most simple things are the most profound. And, and love is definitely one of those things. The most simple thing and the most profound Ken and I have been reading a lot of the Pauline epistles again together and the Apostle Paul knew this. They are peppered with love. Love, 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 love. He knew love was a weapon. He knew love was a key. He says this about love in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, now these three remain, faith, hope and love, but the greatest of these is the greatest of these is love. Why? Because love is the only virtue that's going to continue on into eternity with us. Faith will disappear as we stand with Jesus face to face. You understand, you don't need faith to believe for what you can see. 
Faith attaches itself to the unseen. So when we're standing with Jesus face to face, faith will be redundant, you understand. It does not cross over. Hope does not cross over. You're not going to need hope because you'll be living daily in the fullness of the expression of God's goodness. Everything will be made new in His holy presence. Hope will be redundant, but love remains. Love remains. He will still love you and you will still love Him. Paul understood this so deeply. He said, if you have tongues of men and angels, if you can fathom all mysteries, but you have not love, forget about it. You know, you're nothing. It's nothing. It's worthless. You know, if we have a church of thousands, tens of thousands, with all the lights and the smoke and the stuff and the this and the that, but have not love, it's nothing. It's nothing. Love is a key virtue that must take us into our future. When I say love, I'm actually thinking multifaceted thoughts. I'm thinking love on many dimensions. I'm thinking firstly about how God loves us. Glory to Him, God loves us. Radical love for His people and for His church. This becomes the very foundation of our salvation. His love for us, we talk about a move of God. But the truth is the greatest move of God that the world has ever seen is the fact that Jesus moved from heaven to earth that the perfect Son of God would sacrifice His own life so that you and I could have salvation, so that you and I could have eternal life. That is a move of God. And the motivation for that moving was actually love. God loves us. And our response to that love is our commitment to loving Him. God loves us. We love God. We love God. The church The bride loves the groom, loves the groom. We're responsive to Jesus when He said, the most important command, people, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. If the church deviates from pure love for God as our priority, we've started to lose the plot. If it starts getting more important, reputation, image, strategies, programs, any of those things other than pure love for God, we have gone astray. What's the game plan? It's that we would respond to God's love for us and we would love Him. And we know that out of that place is going to tumble love for others. Pure love for others. The Scripture said we love Because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. It flows out of us when we have that revelation of love. The deeper his love goes in us, the more it works through us. The more it bonds us together in a united, connected community. And you know, you need to know we're deeply committed to that. Love is part of the game plan. Nations, by his grace, is known for being a warm and welcoming church. Despite all of our flaws, you know, we're, not, we're actually known for a warmth and a welcome. And I want to say that must not change. 
Different league, same game plan. That can't change. My prayer is that it would actually go deeper still. That we would double down on love. That we would just get a little bit more passionate. It doesn't matter the different league we find ourselves in. We will continue to love radically and furiously by His grace. Amen? Amen? There's always room for one more. Our doors will always be open, never closed. We're always prepared to welcome that newcomer into the family, make them feel like they're home because we believe that in his love, they truly are home. They truly are home. Third part of the game plan, the virtue of humility. Everyone say humility. There's this call to stay humble at his feet. Regardless of the different league, we must never get too far, of our he- our far ahead of ourselves. We must stay humble at his feet. Amen. The scripture makes it so clear that God opposes the proud, but he gives his grace to the humble. He's actually got a never ending supply of grace. Who wants the grace of the Lord? I need the grace of the Lord. He's got a never-ending supply of it, and he's looking to give it to a particular type of people. That's a humble person. That's a people who would commit themselves to remaining in humility. Humility is the virtue that keeps grace flowing. Humility keeps the doorway of grace open over your life, over your marriage. Feeling opposition in your marriage? It's not in my notes. Why don't you practice humility in your marriage and and open up the doorway of grace to start flowing into that relational conflict and cycle? You know, humility is the thing. Humility is the key. The second we think that all of this is because of us, the second we think that we are the reason that God is blessing us or pouring good things out, that is the very same second that we're actually vulnerable to the seed of pride. A guaranteed way to mess up a move of God is to entertain the seeds of pride. We will quick fire mess it up. Humility remains aware. Everything we have, everything we are, or the grace, or the gifting, or the resource, or the talent. Everything has been graciously given to us from the hand of our good Father. We're recipients. We're the beneficiaries of what the Lord has done. Humility needs to remain in that revelation. Not just visit the revelation from time to time, but actually remain there. This daily posture at His feet, it's all about you. It's always been all about you. Always will be all about you. It's all about you. Like Ken preached so beautifully on Vision Sunday. All the glory, all of the time goes to the Lord. All of it. Pride wants to steal a little tiny fragment of that glory for ourselves. It just likes feed my ego just a little bit, boost my image just a bit. You can have most of the glory, Lord. Most of the glory, most of the glory. (laughs) It's yours, it's yours. Move over, Crystal Bosman. <laughs> no, all of the glory, all of the glory. I can't allow my ego, I can't allow my pride to just take a little sliver for myself, even though it might want to. All must go to the Lord and that's going to keep us. It's going to keep us 
positioned under the flow of His mercy and grace. Amen. Amen. In a church community, every single thing does better in an atmosphere of love and humility. You know, we'll fulfill the mandate way more effectively in an atmosphere of love and humility. And those cultures, they will be expressed so much more genuinely in an atmosphere of love and humility. And even your service team or your connect group or the welcome lounge or your home, your household, your marriage, every part of life will do better if it's permeated with an atmosphere of love and humility. Amen. It might be a different league, but this is the same game plan. Love and humility, same game plan. Fourth point, God will choose. Turn to your neighbour and say, God will choose. God will choose. God, God himself will choose our inheritance for us. There's a bit of a backstory to this point. It was the lead up to Vision Sunday. Ken and I had a day off and we were driving about in the northern suburbs and we're talking leadership as we often do. And we were, you know, thinking together thoughts about expansion the whole idea of um, new initiatives and maybe even new locations and supposing what it might be in the future and, you know, what if we started here? What if we planted there? What about this? What about that? And if I'm honest, the conversation was more coming out of a natural mind. You know what I mean? Not really a spirit-led conversation, but like more out of human logic and human strategy, not really anything inspired Anyhow, we arrived at the beach and my husband went off to catch fish, as he often does on a day off, as you know, if you follow him on social media. Anyway, <clears throat> he went off and I prayed this little quiet prayer in my heart. I said, Lord, I guess the only question of real relevance, that nothing else really matters, the only real relevant question is where are you calling us to? And what are you asking us to do and where is your grace? And I, I prayed that prayer and then I picked up my Bible for my daily Bible reading. And I was there at Psalm 47 and it says this, I'm going to read it to you. Verse 1 to 4, Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great King over all the earth. He will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. He will choose our inheritance for us. The excellence of Jacob, whom he loves, Selah. I did see La a little bit after that. I give you <laughs> just that verse four absolutely leapt off the page at me. Knowing the conversation we'd just had, knowing the prayer we'd just prayed, knowing that across the month we'd been saying, Lord, what's the game plan? What's the game plan? What's the game plan? And I felt that this verse came to my heart as a direct answer to our prayers. He will choose our inheritance for us. The Lord will choose. See, God choosing, <laughs> this whole idea of God choosing, it's actually been a hallmark of our entire lives. Like we didn't want to be pastors, but here we are. 
You know, God chose this for us. And, and the truth is that so much of what we exist in as a church right now, we actually didn't go out hunting for it. The Lord brought it to us. He chose it for us. And our job has just been to say yes, to just say yes to, to what the Lord has brought to us. And right now, the strong sense is as it has been, so it will be. The Lord will continue to choose. There absolutely is more. Prophetically, we just know and we sense there will be more locations. Expansion will come, but we're not about to go and make it happen. We're not wanting to birth any Ishmaels in this place. We don't feel pressure. Thanks be to God. We don't feel pressure to then announce the next thing, announce the next thing. No, God will choose. God will choose our inheritance for us. And our job, your job and my job is to wait with faith and expectation for the next thing the Lord will do for what He will bring to us. And it's not to say we don't get ready. We absolutely should get ready because we're expectant. We're going to train leaders. We're going to do all the things. We're going to prepare ourselves in ways that seem wise and right to do so. But we're going to let Him lead and we're going to let Him choose. And it's not doctrine, you know. Other ministries might lead differently and minister differently and that's really up to them. It's really between them and the Lord. But if you want to know what's on our heart, God Himself will choose our inheritance for us. Amen. That feels right. He says, The excellence of Jacob, whom he loves. That phrase, excellence of Jacob, is actually talking about the physical territory of Canaan was actually talking about a God-appointed allotment of territory, the excellence of Jacob. And what we know about this land that the Lord selected for His children, we know that that was a place of great blessing. It was a place of great fruitfulness, productivity. And that's what it's like for you and for me when we allow God to choose. He takes us into a blessed place. He takes us into a fruitful and a productive place because He's a good Father and we can absolutely trust Him with the future of the church. Can I declare the future of the church is going to be blessed? We stick to this game plan, the future of the church will be blessed because He's a good Father. He loves you, He loves us, He loves the house, He loves His bride. So good. I don't know if this has been a very corporate word today. Singers and musicians, you can come and join me. But I believe that it actually has deep personal application. It's got a real application for you. It's a real application for me. Because if this is the game plan for the church, and if you call Nations Church your home plan, then it actually has to be your game plan. It has to be mine. Because we are the church. We are the ecclesia. We are the gathered community. It's not the buildings aren't going to walk in love and humility, right? It's us. It's us. It's us. It's us. We're all called. We're all called to walk forward into our future, not motivated by ego, not motivated by fear, but out of humble obedience to the Lord. You know, when you think about your 2024, Don't be led by fear. Don't be led by ego. What's the Lord saying? What's the Lord saying? 
you know, love and humility are virtues that aren't just going to lead the church forward. They're going to lead your lives forward. Your marriage, your home, your connect group, they're all going to work better in that atmosphere of love and humility. Allowing God to choose is not just wisdom for the church, it's wisdom for your life. Sometimes we get into trouble because we want to choose our own inheritance. I want to choose my own blessing. I want to choose my own gifting. I want to choose my own talent. I want to choose my own calling. You want to choose my own challenge or avoid it, choose to avoid it. (laughs) But maybe God's calling us all, you know, corporately and individually to a greater degree of trust. Would you trust your Father? Would you trust His choosing? Would you trust His allotment? Would you trust His grace? Would you trust His gifting and calling? Would you trust the way He has made you? Would you trust what He's spoken to you? The choosing of the Lord, would you trust that His choosing will be right and perfect? As He leads, as He guides, He's gonna provide King David in the Scripture. He knew, He surely knew what it was for God to choose for him this shepherd boy that was seemingly overlooked by men, yet God saw, appointed, selected, anointed. He allowed God to choose for him and it birthed in David a deep sense of trust and a deep sense of intimacy with the Lord. David knew the Lord and that's what I believe for us today. If we stick to this game plan, the result of which is gonna be trust goes deeper in the Lord. Intimacy, as a body of believers, we know our God, we're close to Him, we know Him. That trust and intimacy, we're a people marked by it. We trust our God, we know our God, we love our God. And in that, we're gonna be positioned for all that He wants to lead us into, amen. Thanks for listening to the Nations Church Podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com.